The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals being interviewed and do not necessarily represent those of the Greater Winter Haven Chamber of Commerce. You're listening to It's Happening in the Haven. I'm your host, Katie Worthington Decker. Each episode, I get the privilege to speak to the amazing people taking Winter Haven and its surrounding Central Florida area to the next level. We're future-focused, celebrating our entrepreneurial history and leveraging it for our bright future ahead. Hello, everyone, and welcome to It's Happening in the Haven. I'm your host, Katie Worthington Decker, President and CEO of the Greater Winter Haven Chamber of Commerce. This podcast is produced by the Winter Haven Chamber and recorded at Dolphin Image Studios in Winter Haven. Our producer from Dolphin Image Studios is Joe. Hey, Joe, tell our listeners a little bit about the studios. Thanks, Katie. At Dolphin Image Studios, we are a full production film and television studio. We offer a 3,000-square-foot soundstage, a psych wall, an LED wall, a podcast studio, and a massive eight-acre backlot for all of your filming needs. To find us, go to facebook.com backslash Dolphin Image Studios, or find us on Instagram at Dolphin Image Studios. On today's episode, we speak to the city of Winter Haven's Mayor Pro Tem Nathaniel Birdsong about his life growing up in Winter Haven, his career, and his long tenure in civil service. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of our sponsors who believe in advancing commerce and community in Winter Haven. Your heart is incredible. It's the only muscle that never rests. February is American Heart Month, and Advent Health encourages you to show your incredible heart some love. Did you know that there are simple steps you can take to lead a heart-healthy life? Step one, eat red. Try eating one red food at each meal, like apples, tomatoes, red peppers, or even strawberries. They are packed with vitamins and fiber. Step two, Know and manage your numbers, specific to cholesterol levels, blood pressure, blood sugar, and weight. Step three, stand up and get active. Standing helps with blood flow, and a walk after dinner is a simple way to get your body in motion. Step four, reduce stress and make sure to get enough sleep. Start each morning with the deep breathing to let go of stress and anxiety. And finally, one of my personal favorites, send love. How easy is it to show appreciation and gratitude for someone in your life? Visit randomactsofheart.com to share a special heart-healthy gift with someone you love. Compliments of Advent Health. Mayor Pro Tem Nathaniel Birdsong is a native of Winter Haven and was elected to the City Commission in 2002. He has a passion for his community that is evident in every commission meeting, and I look forward to learning more about his life story. Welcome to the podcast, Nat. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Well, I have been wanting to talk to you for a while because I feel like I know you really well, but today is an opportunity to really get to know you and get to know your life story. So, are you originally from Winter Haven? Yes, I was born and raised on... Avenue Q. Avenue Q. Northeast. <laughs> and what brought your family to Winter Haven? Well, my my mother was raised in Georgia on a plantation, and her grandparents were slaves. Mm. And uh, so my mom was one of uh, six children. Mm. 
And when she turned 16, her older sister had moved to Fort Pierce, Florida. Mm -hmm. And so my mom at 16 went to live with her older sister. Well, my father was raised in Lake City. And uh, in fact, his mom, he's the youngest of four. And his mom died in childbirth. Mm. And um, his dad actually had died before he was born as well. Oh, wow. So he was raised by a foster mother. And... uh, I have to tell you this. My my mom had a third-grade education, and my father had a fourth-grade education. So they didn't really do much schooling. They worked. Mm -hmm. And so my father, uh, when he got old enough, he started, he came, uh, used to go to Fort Pierce to pick citrus. Mm -hmm. And my mom was with her older sister, in Fort Pierce. Now, they never told me how they actually met up (laughs) because my mom at the time was 16. Mm -hmm. There's a story there. (laughs) And and see, my my dad would have been um, about 18 because he he was a couple years older than my mom, but Mm -hmm. long story short, Mm -hmm. they got together and so my mom continued to stay in Fort Pierce. But my dad migrated to Winter Haven with the citrus. Oh, okay. And so they never told us how my mom came on to Winter Haven, but mm-hmm. she got here. So about what year was that that your dad Well my dad to- my dad was born in nineteen fifteen hmm. and my mom nineteen seventeen. And so that would have been somewhere in the neighborhood. You had uh, 16 to... In the 30s? Yeah, in the 30s, mm-hmm. early 30s, mm-hmm. during the Depression. Wow, wow. So um, they got together, and, and I, I don't know the exact date that mm-hmm. they got married, mm-hmm. but they ultimately did and immediately started having children. Mm-hmm. So my mom had 12 kids. Wow. I just can't even imagine. <laughs> and now I told you I was born on Avenue Q. Mm-hmm. I was born and delivered by a midwife. Mm-hmm. All 12 of my mom's, uh, my siblings were born at home. Not one of us was born in a hospital. Mm-hmm. We all were born at home. Now, was that your mom's choice or is that how it was at the time or you know why did she make that didn't she ever talk about that that's how it was Mm -hmm, at mm -hmm. the time um well you know when you consider that i graduated high school in 1964 Mm -hmm. and so that sort of gives you the time frame Mm -hmm. of i'm the fourth oldest okay but even after 1964 she continued to just have her children mm-hmm. delivered at home with the wow. midwife. Wow. Yeah. So you're the fourth. So what's the breakdown, boys and girls, of the 12 of you? It's seven, five. Seven, five. Seven females and 
five guys, as it should yes. be, outnumbered by, yes. <laughs> by and, the girls. <laughs> and I actually was the first. I'm the oldest male. Mm-hmm. So I had three sisters uh. that were born before me. And my mom told a little uh, funny story when she came. I gave her one of my great honors was to give her a proclamation uh, when she turned 100 years of age. Mm-hmm. And um, so she told this story that everybody was so overjoyed that she finally had a boy and my little sisters was looking at me and saying, well, he looks different down there. <laughs> <laughs> and then your mom's like, do I have this discussion? Do I not have yeah, this discussion? Have to go <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so early 30s when your parents came here and your dad, um, you said, worked in the citrus industry. Yes. Did he stay working in the citrus industry or what, what do you remember of your dad and his working life? And, okay. And um, he worked in, in the citrus in- industry, and, um, but then he was able to get a full-time job with the Kirklands in Arbondale. Hmm. And so the Kirklands had... Um, like a 20-acre grove on their estate. Mm-hmm. And so he caretaked that, and he also uh, took care of the yards and, and everything. So mm-hmm. he actually worked for them five and a half days a week. Oh, okay. Yes. And is this the Kirklands of the Kirklands that we know today? Is that Nelson Kirkland's family, or is that a different Kirkland family? That's a different, family? different Kirkland family? Kirklands. Okay, yes. okay. yes. Did your mom work, or did she? Produce? Yes, she did, and had twelve kids. <laughs> she my, is superwoman, folks. She is superwoman. <laughs> yes, my mom was a uh, domestic worker. Okay, she was a maid, mm-hmm. and um, she worked for Miss Fuller, and um, she worked for Barbara Simpson. The Simpsons; mm-hmm. those were her two main jobs. She worked uh, longer for the Simpsons. Mm-hmm. But uh, in fact, the the my father passed away on Christmas Day mm-hmm. in 1963, and uh, on that that Christmas Day, my mom was not home. She was at the Simpsons mm-hmm. working. In fact, I was the last person to see my, in my family to see my father alive. I drove him to Winter Haven Hospital, and he died of a massive heart attack. Oh my goodness! And you were you would have been young then, what, seventeen? Seventeen. Oh my goodness, now. Yes. Yes. So what what happened then at that point? So there were obviously, if you were the fourth oldest, there were still a lot of young kids at home. And what happened with your family dynamic after that? Well, the one thing I would have to say is is that my father was a minister. Mm-hmm. And in addition to working five and a half days a week, he pastored two churches, mm-hmm. one in D-Land and one in Lofman. And so we, we were... We were a real family, and, and in Florence Villa, where I grew up, uh, I mean, one of our neighbors raised uh, cows, mm-hmm. and so, you know, we had milk and stuff from them, mm-hmm. and like uh, my mom and dad, we raised chickens, <laughs> and so we gave the community all of the eggs, mm-hmm. and uh, then... Another um, one of the neighbors had uh, hogs, and so we had all our pork and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the neighborhood took care of each other. The neighborhood looked out for us, mm-hmm. and also uh, Miss Simpson. Um, after uh, 
my father passed. Um, they just really took care of us. Mm -hmm. the, the fortunate thing is that my oldest sister, Eva, actually, when my father died, had graduated college. Wow. And she's a, a graduate of Florida A&M. She uh, was a registered uh, dietitian, mm -hmm. and uh, she worked for the Marriott Corporation for years and years and, and retired. But she, she was married but divorced, but she never had any children. So we always, you know, sent money back and mm -hmm. helped take care of the family. And then the other two sisters, the same thing. And then once I graduated college, uh, I helped. Mm -hmm. You know, we just— You all kind of paid it forward, all the investment it, they had made in you. you exactly. So um, you said, you know, your your parents had little more than, than a partial elementary school education. Yeah. So why was it that all of you— achieved so much what how was that built into your dna well from a very very young age uh, they drilled in us that you had to get an education they wanted us all to go to college in fact all of my siblings every single one of them graduated college except for one and that one that didn't graduate from college was because um, she was born with uh, Down syndrome, mm -hmm. and so um, she naturally, back in those days, in fact, the story about her is that um, kids with Down syndrome um, didn't even stay in the neighborhood. In fact, my sister ultimately was uh, put in the Sunnyland Training Center mm -hmm. down in Fort Myers and Arcadia. Yeah. Oh, wow. And that's where she lived. Mm -hmm. Yes. How old was she when she was... Um put into the training facility? About seven years of age. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, mm -hmm. Probably more like six mm -hmm. when it was time to go to school. Mm -hmm. Was she a lot younger than you or where yes. she was? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, you, uh, there's so much to unpack in just a little <laughs> yeah, bit of the story you've told. So I've got so many questions. For our listeners, I always write down a list of questions ahead of time, and I've only hit one so far because everything that Nat is saying is, is so interesting to me. So um, what was it like then? Because um, obviously in the 30s and then the 40s and the 50s and so on and so forth, Winter Haven was a different place. Yes. Um, and even when you talk about – I had to laugh a little bit when you said you raised chickens because – Pretty soon, the city commission will be talking about an ordinance <laughs> about raising how to raise chickens in the city limits. So yes. I guess it's all cyclical, the things that you deal with in life. But but what was it like um, growing up in Winter Haven and the time you grew up in Winter Haven? Okay. Um, well, I went to an all-black high school. Mm -hmm. In fact, the building that the CDC sits on right now on Avenue R, when I was in elementary and junior high school, that there was a building on that location that was a elementary, senior high, and junior high school, all in one. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I went. And um, so I walked to school, and, and that, that was great. And it was segregated. The thing is, is growing up in Winter Haven, uh, it was just... The way my mom and my father were, uh, they just they they just told us that we had to obey everything. So we were like model 
Mm-hmm. Little kids, they told us uh, when we come home from school that you can't leave the neighborhood and mm-hmm. you can't be, you know, just going all over the place. So I'm telling you, uh, we I enjoyed mm-hmm. my childhood because mm-hmm. uh, they would let us, uh, we could hunt and fish, mm-hmm. and so there were places that we could just right in the neighborhood that the groves and stuff, we go and shoot birds. That's mm-hmm. all we mm-hmm. could shoot with BB guns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, then there were plenty of lakes. Lake Maud was, I grew up on 3rd Street. Um, and so Lake Maud was right in front of my house. And mm-hmm. so we could fish. And so that's what we did. We just fished and hunt and, and played. We we played marbles and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So that that's what we did. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing that I would, would, would like to say is that uh, as far as, um, you know, uh, shopping and all that sort of thing, uh, we, we, well, naturally, my mom and dad, all of our clothes came out of the Sears and Roebuck catalog. Oh, okay. They mm-hmm. ordered our clothes. That mm-hmm. way they knew what they were paying and, and mm-hmm. how they could you know, mm-hmm. and so that that's that's what they did, and um, and I often tell this story that growing up uh, by today's standards, we would have been considered poor, but growing up, I I didn't have any idea of the word poor mm-hmm. because basically we had a concrete block house with you know running. Water and, mm-hmm. and all of the convenience. We had one car. Um, you know, I never went hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have a lot of you know, cakes and ice creams and stuff like that. But we, you did. Da- you never knew that you right. were missing out. Right. I didn't know right. because my dad would make ice cream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we had a. One did of he the, make you crank it? Because yes, that yes, takes a lot to, of work. <laughs> we used to love it. We we used yeah. to make he would make it out of papaya, mm-hmm. you know, and then just buy the, the other little ingredients so mm-hmm. he wouldn't have to, you know. Right. And so we we loved it. Mm-hmm. And um, so there was no, we naturally, uh, there was the Tasty Freeze mm-hmm. and uh, over on what's now MLK. And so that was our burger joint because when I was growing up, uh, you know, there was the McDonald's was there, but we could not go to the McDonald's. McDonald's mm-hmm. would not serve us. Uh, we could go to the back door and knock and st- maybe stand for an hour or so, and then they would they would serve us. So we, we didn't even, I don't ever remember going to mm-hmm. the McDonald's mm-hmm. in Winter Haven as I was uh, growing up. So we knew to stay in our, in where we were, where right. we, in, in, in. So you were, your your parents, it sounds like your parents kind of insulated you a little bit. They did. But not from the perspective that you kind of knew you were being insulated. It's just yes. you felt like you had everything you needed yes. um, um, where you were, which is which is interesting. So as an, as an adult, just kind of jumping forward and reflecting on that, do you have any thoughts or feelings, you know, on that? Or are you glad that's the, that's the way they, you know, kind of made it so that you just, you were able to just be a kid? Yes, yes, I I really do appreciate that. That, mm-hmm. that that's that's what they did for us. And in fact, um, they we were instructed um, because in the uh, mid sixties, like sixty two, sixty three, then I was you know a teenager, mm-hmm. and 
So, you know, they instructed me that I was not to get involved with any sit-ins or demonstrations. Mm-hmm. They, they, they prohibited me, mm-hmm. uh, all of us, mm-hmm. from, from doing that. Um, they, that. That was just their point of view. My dad was extremely strict, mm-hmm. and, um, and we did as we were told. Right. Did your mom, um, so you said your grandparents were slaves on your mom's side. Did your did your mom ever live or remember that time? Did she live on a, planta- a plantation when her parents were slaves? She, she never recounted that. Mm-hmm. She just mm-hmm. said that she lived on a farm. Okay, yeah. okay. But hmm. That's interesting. That's yeah. really interesting. Um, so were you close to all of your siblings growing up or was it the ones closest in age to you or how, how did that kind of work? We all were mm-hmm. very close and still are. Mm-hmm. Um, like it was almost like we were in sets of fours almost. <laughs> <laughs> you had a click amongst your family. There were so many of you. <laughs> um, but um, yes, we were always very, very close and still are mm-hmm. to this day. Did any of your um, parents' um, siblings end up moving closer into Winter Haven or did, were most of them in Florida or where were your aunts and uncles? Well, my uh, my aunts and uncles were, were in Lake City mm-hmm. and then one of my uncles moved was in Winter Garden and um, then one was in Winter Park. Mm-hmm. But uh, they were all in Florida. All in Florida. Yeah. yeah. But now my siblings are all over the place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All of them don't stay. I've got some that stay in Winter Haven and Lake Wells. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my brother that, that played professional basketball lives in L.A. And uh, I have a brother that played at the University of Hawaii, Tailback. Mm-hmm. He lives in Hawaii. Oh, good for him. And uh, <laughs> I have a... Another sister that, that lives in um, Cleveland, mm-hmm. Ohio, and uh, then one in Atlanta, Georgia. So. Wow, so you really you have a lot of places that you can travel to. <laughs> Used to. to. <laughs> Used to. We'll get back to it. We'll get back to it, I promise. Yes. So um, after you graduated from high school, did you go directly to Florida A&M, or what was your kind of career path post-secondary? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, out of high school... Um, I was determined, and my sister said she would help me mm-hmm. to go to uh, Florida A&M. And so uh, right out of high school, I went to Florida A&M. And I'll tell you a, a, a funny story. Uh, the the bus station was where the Wendy's is now. That's where I caught the Greyhound bus. Mm-hmm. And the day that I caught the Greyhound bus, it was full. And the bus I was going to Orlando and then change on another bus. The bus driver let me put my footlocker in the center aisle, and I sat on the footlocker from Winter Haven to Orlando. Wow, to go to college. To go to the college. Day they went to college. <laughs> and you're like, what is this world I'm going out into? <laughs> no, That's I'm, great. I'm telling you, um, I never, at that juncture, in my life, mm-hmm. I was, I needed to find my way because I was so torn and dis- thought, distraught mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. because of my father's yeah. death, untimely death, and you know, didn't know what I needed to do and what mm-hmm. you know. It was just, I was just. Did you feel a responsibility a little bit being the oldest male in the family? Not at that time. No, I did not. Mm-hmm. I, I my oldest sister, Eva. Mm-hmm. felt that responsibility but yeah. at that time I didn't but that was short-lived mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very very short-lived because um, once I went to college and um, graduated then my mom I, in fact I, I used to have to even come back to Winter Haven to discipline uh, my brothers <laughs> and, and my siblings I had to come back and, and I actually used to paddle them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, my mom, I would come, I lived uh, in Fort Myers. I come from Fort Myers and they know, mm-hmm. they, they know when I'm coming. So so leaving here and going to college in the 60s, was there, and kind of, you know, as you've described, being a little bit insulated from everything, you know, as a, as a 37 year old, you know, my viewpoint of the 60s is what I've read in history books. And of yeah. course, so I've always read about everything that was going on in the 60s and the turmoil in the United States in the 60s. But what was your experience? What was your experience leaving Winter Haven and then going to college? Well, uh, going to Florida A&M, again, going to an all-black university Mm -hmm. in Tallahassee, uh, it was self-contained. I mean, my my first year I stayed on campus Mm -hmm. because you were required to stay on campus. And... uh, so I lived on campus, and so that was another whole world that I'm telling you, Katie, I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> I, I mean, it was, oh, man, it, it was just it was just great because mm-hmm. growing up, even as a senior in high school, I had to be home by 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, my, my dad was so strict. Right. And so, you know, I mean, I had, I was... Totally free, you know. So did you do okay your first year, or did the freedom? Let uh, let me tell you, this is is, is, a tale as old as time. Okay. Um, Back in those days, what they would do is at midterm, your grades would go home. Oh. Yeah, they sent your grades. Whatever you were doing Mm -hmm. at midterm, they would send it home. So I was really enjoying <laughs> college life. So that first year at midterm, I had three Ds, oh, Nat. a C, and an F. Wow. At midterm. And when my mom got those grades, she sent them to my sister that was helping me. Mm-hmm. And my sister said, boy, if you don't improve this, I am not, I am not going to send any more money to you. Mm-hmm. Well, needless to say, that semester, well, we were on a trimester mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ended up making 3.2 <laughs> because I turned it around yeah. quickly. I mean, it was, I mean. Well, if you loved it up there and we wanted to stay, yes, you had and to I do did. It. Yeah, and I did. So, yes. did you know what? Um, what did you end up majoring in in college? Well, <clears throat> uh, when I first went to FAMU, I had um, aspirations of being 
a medical doctor. Mm. And um, after the traumatic freshman year, mm-hmm. I'm saying, man, I don't think I can cut it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was when I changed to majoring in mathematics. Okay. Yeah. And um, did you meet your wife in college, or was that after? Okay, that's a, that's a nice little story, too. Um, I, I, start, I, I, uh, I was a student teacher. Mm-hmm. I did my internship in Fort Myers mm-hmm. with some more buddies of mine. And uh, in Fort Myers, they have, just like in, in Winter Haven, we have the citrus, used to have the orange festival. Right. In Fort Myers, they had the Thomas Edison Parade because the winter home for Thomas Edison is in Fort Myers. Mm-hmm. And so they had the Thomas Edison Parade. So I went to the parade. And I, my, my wife, Ann, was one of the Edison queens. So she was on the float. <laughs> so I saw this young girl. I said, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I want her. (laughs) (laughs) She is beautiful. I mean, just stunning. stunning. I mean, (laughs) she swept me off my feet on the float. But uh, faith would have it. I was student teaching in Fort Myers, but my location was in a little town called Alva, Mm -hmm. which is the equivalent of, say, like Winter Haven and Lake Wells. Maybe a, a tad farther. So that's where I was student teaching at. And that was uh, elementary, junior high, senior high school. So it was all. And um, my wife went to the black high school in Fort Myers, which was Dunbar. Well, this was in 1968. Mm-hmm. And so in 1968, what happened is the only statewide teacher strike that has ever occurred in Florida. Hmm. That was in 1968. So in 1968, what Lee County did, instead of trying to keep all of the schools open, they used interns and kept a white school open and a black school open. So they transferred me from Alva to Fort Myers, Dunbar mm-hmm. High School. Mm-hmm. And my wife, that's where she was in school. <laughs> and so, oh my goodness, that was, that was it. So yeah. then I had a way. Did you recognize her from the float? Had oh, you had you met her after no, the float incident? No, I oh, had wow. not seen her mm-hmm. after the float mm-hmm. incident because she was a minor and I was, you right. know. <laughs> Yeah. I can see the headlines. <laughs> and I was grown, so the places that we would go, mm-hmm. there was no way right, right. that I could ever mm-hmm. cross paths with her. Mm-hmm. And so, but once in the high school, mm-hmm. then we we, mm-hmm. we got to know each other and started dating. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was raised by her sister and her husband because her mom had, uh, had died um, shortly before I got to Fort Myers. And so, and everybody welcomed me with open arms. And uh, so wow, we hit it off. And we've now been married in July. 
will be 51 wow. years. That's incredible. Yes. That's incredible. Yes. Well, and she is an amazing woman in her own right and is just so phenomenal. Um, so, so is that what brought you to Fort Myers then you said? So, um, yes. the, the do- job and then you met her, um, was she graduated from high school when you guys got married? <laughs> yes. She was. Okay. Yes. yes, yes. Yeah. So doing your internship down there, then did you have to go back to Florida A&M to graduate? And then? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, what, went, so what happened? You graduated? I, I, and... I graduated from uh, A&M. And I, the, 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 um, the principal at the Alva High School, uh, he liked me really well. Mm-hmm. And uh, in fact, I was the uh, only uh, black teacher at Alva High School. Really? Yes. There was there were two of us. There was a black me, the black male, and there was a black female. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, you know, so, you know, he liked me. Mm-hmm. In fact, he was a close personal friend with uh, the colonel, Kentucky Fried Chicken Colonel. Really? <laughs> and his son was the superintendent of personnel for Hillsborough County. Mm. But he offered me a job mm-hmm. when my internship was over. Mm-hmm. So I graduated from college. And um, after I graduated, I went to New York and got a job as a banker huh. and loved it. And loved it. And really didn't want to come back, but I had signed a contract. Mm-hmm. So I honored my contract. In New York City? Were you in, in New the York City? City? Really? Yes. My office, I'll never will forget it, was on 20 Pine Street. I could look out the window and I could see Wall Street. Hmm. And um, I worked for, at that time, they were the fourth largest uh, bank in the nation. It was called Chemical Bank and New York Trust Company. Hmm. And... Um, in fact, when I left, I got a leave of absence from there because they wanted me to come back. But mm-hmm. once I started teaching, mm-hmm. I taught uh, two years in Fort Myers, and then I left Fort Myers and moved to Tampa and taught two years in Tampa. Stay with us for more after a word from our sponsors. We'd like to welcome and thank Mahalik Auto Group for sponsoring Season 2 of our podcast. This family-owned and operated business was first founded in 1966 in Michigan by Ralph Mahalik Sr. The family opened Winter Haven Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram in 1991 and continued to expand in Polk County, now owning three additional dealerships at Posner Park, in Lake Wales, and Alfa Romeo Fiat of Winter Haven. Not only are their teams dedicated to finding you the perfect vehicle, but they are also focused on building a strong relationship with the community and treating their buyers like family. Find your new ride for 2021 and learn more at www.lowpaymentkings.com. So I've always known you as a businessman um, yes. and um, and uh, knew you previously as um, with Coca-Cola. Yes. So what was that journey from being a teacher to, to kind of the business world? Well, what happened was my college roommate and one of my, I have two best buddies that grew up with me in Winter Haven. And we ended up, they went to junior college first and then they transferred to uh, Florida A&M. Mm-hmm. And so uh, one of those buddies was working for the employment service in Winter Haven. And so he called me on a Saturday and said, uh, Bird, there's a job 
that I think you would be interested in, and it, it pays more money. And that's the thing that I didn't tell you about mm-hmm. uh, teaching, stu- teaching school. In New York, in 1968, working for the Chemical Bank and uh, Trust Company, I was making $18,000 a year. Mm-hmm. I came back to Fort Myers to take a salary that was $4,000. from $5,000. Wow. Okay, so, and and my friend knew that. Mm -hmm. And so he told me about the job with Coca-Cola. And so I immediately applied, and uh, I got that job. And and the thing about the job with Coca-Cola um, I had basically a one-of-a-kind job mm-hmm. because Coca-Cola had bought the uh, Minute Maid Company in 1968. Mm-hmm. When they purchased the Minute Maid Company, uh, they didn't know what else they were purchasing, that they were purchasing farm workers and migrant workers and labor camps and all of the above. Mm-hmm. At least that's what they said in the uh, Ed McMurray's uh, white paper series that, that was on uh, on TV. So they put together what they called the Agricultural Labor Project. And so that was designed to uh, raise the, the living conditions and all of that of, of farm workers. And so that was... That was that was what I walked into. Wow. And as a result of that, there are two organizations that uh, we formed that are still in existence today. And in fact, one of them is the Central Florida uh, Health Clinic. Hmm. That that whole operation hired the first executive director and everything for that operation. And initially it was only to provide services to the farm worker population of the Coca-Cola company. Really? So Central Florida Healthcare, that's the roots yes. of that? I had no idea. Most people don't because it's not publicized. Mm-hmm. And Coca-Cola, we've gone away. Mm-hmm. And so we did what we wanted to. And I'll tell you another story about that. When we did Central Florida Healthcare, it was started on a labor camp on Hobson Road in Frostproof. And Frostproof, just like all of the other cities in the Deep South, was extremely segregated. I mean, that's, that, that was the order of the day. When we did the clinic on that labor camp, uh, the, the white community really didn't want us to do it. In less than a year and a half, not only did they want it, the clinic moved they built a building in downtown Frostproof, hmm. and the clinic relocated there. Wow. And because what they realized, well, the clinic, naturally, it had medical and dental, but all of the staff were white folks. Mm-hmm. Even though they were working on Hispanics and black folks, it, mm-hmm. all of the staff, mm-hmm. they were white. Yeah. And so. I mean, it's just that is amazing to me. From a, from a perspective of when we talk about how corporations can drive change and do good. And, I mean, that was a program put in place 
for the benefit of Coca-Cola and for Coca-Cola to be, you know, I mean, essentially at the end, it's all about making money and having better systems and efficiencies and healthy workers and all of that kind of stuff. But what came out of that program was a, a really a, a healthcare system that services hundreds of thousands of people in the Polk County community and is a resource for people without the ability that are uh, uninsured or underinsured um, and how that stems today and the growth of that today. That that blows my mind. I just had no idea. So was the second program the agriculture and labor, labor program? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, Alpi is, is, you know, they've, they've done great work. Um, I know um, that, that they operate on a budget now of about $25 million. Wow. Um, and uh, over 300 staff people. The, the Their central office, their main office, is out on Lynch, Lynchburg Road, which is in Lake Alfred. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the bulk of their operation is in uh, St. Lucie County, mm-hmm. where they are the provider of Head Start. Mm-hmm. They have the contract for all of the Head Start programs in St. Lucie County, mm-hmm. and that's a major part of their funding as well as they have child care, the regular child care as well. And then they have the farm worker services and then um, the what's known as LEHEAP and EHEAP, which are the low energy programs mm-hmm. for uh, disadvantaged people and they pay rents and utilities and Wow. And, it's incredible. And that sort of, it's really grown into a whole wraparound yes. social service program. Yes, absolutely. Wow, incredible. So um, is that what you did for the length of your? Because you were at Coca Cola for a very yes. long time, weren't you? Yes, and 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 the, the I was there for um, roughly twenty seven years. Mm. And the thing that uh, with with those two corporations, um, what they wanted, what I was supposed to do and did, was in in impart the systems for a business into the nonprofit arena mm-hmm. and that was that was that was what I did mm-hmm. and so um, naturally when I finished uh, college you know I had a degree in mathematics and I taught school but um, I did uh, continuing education classes from Harvard Business School mm-hmm. and uh, I ultimately got an MBA degree okay yes. okay where'd you get your MBA from Nova Southeastern. From Nova Southeastern. Yes. Very good. Yeah. So why did you decide to? Because you would have been young when you retired, right, from Coca-Cola. Well, that's another story. <laughs> what the what Coca-Cola Coca-Cola and all of the monies that they invested in uh, Alpi and Central Florida Healthcare and their employees, um, what what they did was ultimately said that okay we've done we've put the corp the those nonprofits on on their footing mm-hmm. and so um we're we you know we're going to move on because right. we we've made them sustainable mm-hmm. and and they were right they, they are sustainable and the other thing that was at play we had a series of freezes in Florida, mm-hmm. which really affected the citrus. Was industry. this in the eighties? The freezes of the eighties. The the eight, late eighties mm-hmm. and um, 
and the 90s. Okay. Yeah. So basically what happened was the, the citrus just got it was it wasn't profitable. Mm-hmm. And so Coca-Cola was looking I think for a way out. Plus Coca-Cola all of the social service things they did made the price of Minute Maid a lot more expensive than uh, say our chief competitor competitor at the time, Tropicana, because uh, Coca Cola had the United Farm Workers Union, C- Cesar Chavez, mm-hmm. came to Florida and organized, mm. and we were the only company that signed the contract mm. with the union, and so you know uh, the the farm workers they had. Uh, you know, all of the benefits of regular employees. In fact, we even, um, I did a program that, that uh, the employees didn't have to migrate after the citrus uh, season was over because I was able, back in the day, Disney World allowed us, they would employ our people, our farm workers. Wow. And we had a bus service that we did ourselves internally that transported people to Orlando. In fact, I tell people this, and they look at me strange, but I have been all over Disney Underground. It's a city underground, mm-hmm. and I have toured it, seen all of the behind scenes, mm-hmm. but they don't do that anymore, but back in those Oh yeah, I used days. to work at Disney. That underground, oh. yeah, I worked at I worked at the Dole Whip stand in Adventureland oh. for several years. Okay, it is. It's not a glamorous underground. Yes, <laughs> it kind of no. smells a little, but yes. <laughs> yes. but it is. It's a whole network yes. of uh, uh, underground. So to to finish up on your question, so what happened was Coca Cola decided to basically just divest itself of all of the assets of Minute Maid except the brand itself, mm-hmm. and sell all of the properties, the plants, and everything. They kept the, the cold storage. That's the only thing mm-hmm. that they kept. Sold it to uh, Cretelli Citrus Limited, which they had basically um, made that family. They already was millionaires. They made them, in my estimation, billionaires mm-hmm. because uh, that's who they sold to, and they had already – uh, transplanted our technology to um, to their area, and so mm-hmm. th- so the story is is that I had a choice. I was not ready to retire. There's no question. Mm-hmm. I had two choices, and I and I actually went and was interviewed for a job in Houston, Texas, mm-hmm. and a job in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, my wife said to me that she was not going to relocate and that she was not going to have no weekend husband. And so... So you really had no choices. (laughs) I had no choices. I had no choices. I had no choices. So I I retired, took the package, and, and... moved on. So did the Florence Villa CDC, did they exist at the time you retired or was that something that you developed? No, um, they did. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was, as, as, as a part of the, um, my role 
with Coca-Cola, as, as I just mentioned, it was basically a social service community. Impact kind of, am. Yeah, and because I was on the United Way board, I served with uh, uh, Carol Burnett and, and, uh, and, and Bernie mm-hmm. Burnett um, over the years. I, you know, I, we were... We went used to go to all of the conferences and things. Mm-hmm. So I was I was a member of the community. I and so when University of South Florida came, I was on several other little local boards in the black community, the Neighborhood Service Center and mm-hmm. the uh, Southeast Association. So um, when University of South Florida came, they were doing research to see if there was a need for a Community Development Corporation. And so I was a part of the group that was put together with uh, Brenda Redout. She was the consultant. Mm-hmm. And so we met for over a year. And the Winter Haven Hospital uh, basically underwrote a lot of that with, with providing us with lunches. And we used to eat at the hospital when mm-hmm. we were meeting. And so at the end, we decided, yes, we needed to form a CDC. Mm-hmm. And so I was a part of that formation. Gotcha. So mm-hmm. I was uh, one of the first uh, uh, board chairs okay. for that corporation. But uh, yeah, so I was I was very involved with it. Involved yeah, with from the it beginning. From the beginning, yes. So as it exists today, tell our listeners a little bit about what the Florence Villa Community Development Corporation does for the community. Yes. Well, the, 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 the whole idea of a community development corporation was to have an entity in the community that um, could do provide some jobs, income, you know, do some health things, do some economic development. And one of the major things was housing and so and, you know, education, GED. We did, uh, in fact, two of the, the, the success stories from, from the CDC. In fact, there are more than two, but uh, there was a, we had a, a, and still do, a business uh, little incubator. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, this uh, person, uh, Silas Harris, uh, was interested in uh, doing uh, adult daycare for the uh, physically handicapped. So he wanted he wanted to do, and so he needed space. So we started him out, and he had two students. Mm-hmm. And um, over the course of the years, he built that into a thriving. In fact, he was so successful, he was able to leave us, relocate to Lakeland, mm-hmm bought his own building at the height of, of, of his operation at CDC. He was basically had the whole um, east side of the CDC building mm-hmm. was, was, was all of his programs. And he had, at that time, he had like 12 employees and 40 students. So wow. he just, he outgrew us. Mm-hmm. And so he moved to Lakeland. He's still going strong. He mm-hmm. bought his own building mm-hmm. and it's called for Success for All. And um, that, that's one story. And we had another business that was in there, uh, Cal Scarvers. And uh, he's the IT person now for New Beginnings High School. 
And so he ultimately moved out as well. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, And then we had other programs. Like we, uh, one of the things that, that we wanted to do was um, with after school, the youth, mm-hmm. that, that we wanted to do some things. So we, we started a program that was called Brothers to Brothers. And so what we did was it was a year-round program after school and then the summer program. And we would take them uh, to conferences up in uh, Atlanta. And so we, we it, it was a real good program. And one of those students is currently uh, employed at Polk State mm-hmm. uh, in the library. He's one of the, 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 the librarians out there, uh, Mr. Jones. Mm-hmm. And another one works for Pratt Whitney up in uh, Warner Rollins, Georgia, is an engineer. Wow. So a lot of good success stories out of that. Yes. So if um, if someone was looking for assistance, um, either with business incubation or um, do they need to make an appointment to come in? Can they stop in the door? Where can they get more information from you on <clears throat> the services the CDC provides? They can call me. Okay. Very yes. good. Yes, they can call me. And one of the other things that we do that's, that's, that um, that we really is helping our seniors. Mm-hmm. We do uh, seniors and veterans house painting. And over the years with volunteers and uh, Gator painting, mm-hmm. Gator Giles, he provides the, some of the the, the skilled right. labor. <laughs> skilled that, labor versus yes. us volunteer labor. Yes, yes. But... Uh, <laughs> We, we do that for seniors and, and uh, veterans, mm-hmm. veterans. So so to, to pivot a little bit, um, all of that going on, and then now, let's see, we're in 2021. So in 2002, you were elected, correct, for the first time to the City of Winter Haven uh, City Commission. So why did you decide to run for City Commission? Well, one thing is that uh, I was prohibited from being an elected official as long as I worked for Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. That that was, you could not do both. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after I became the executive director of the CDC, um, I was there for two years because I started with the CDC in um, 2000. Mm-hmm. And uh, so by 2002, one of the, the, the main factors was... Uh, the, the leadership Winter Haven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> A Winter Haven Chamber program. <laughs> and and um, the, the, the leadership program, as you know, mm-hmm. is a year-long program. And so from um, 2001, that's mm-hmm. when we started, until uh, I decided to run in 2002. In fact, I qualified the last day to qualify, and that was after our Tallahassee trip. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But one of, uh, there are a lot of little small things that happened during the course of that time. Number one, um, Richardson became, he was the the mayor and city commissioner, and he ran for the county commission. And so uh, he wanted you know, he was looking for someone to run for his position. So he had talked with me. I knew him very well. And um, and so I talked to him. And then the person that was riding my, 
for a whole year was Mike Easterly mm-hmm. because he and I roommated on the the, the overnight <laughs> that that we had in in leadership. Mm-hmm. He was my roommate, mm-hmm. and so he was working on me. And then uh, Sam Killebrew, mm-hmm. uh, he was working on me about I needed to do it. But I tell you, one of the things that people talking to me about, uh, I had one incident when we went to Tallahassee that sort of pushed me on over the top. I was, um, we went into the legislature and they were debating uh, basically drawing the lines for as a result of the census, you know, the redistrict. Right, right. And I saw that, and I'm saying, man, do they know what they're doing and, and all of the stuff they're saying? And so it was that, looking at that, that finally said to me, you, you're looking at it, you need to get involved. Mm-hmm. And so that mm-hmm. just sort of pushed me right on over the top. Well, thank goodness that did. We're about to get go through that all over again with the census coming in. So it's another yes. time to heighten the attention, to, to yes. pay attention what's going on with that. So what has your, so you have been on the commission solid, right? Uh, yes. Straight through since yes. 2002. Um, and here we are in 2021 and you have um, had different commissions throughout the years. I mean, different um, personalities, different people, different uh, people with different um, goals or reasons that they have um, run to be on the city commission. So what has your experience been like through the years on the commission? Well, the, 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 the one thing about the Winter Haven City Commission that uh, I realized very early on, and I mean, it didn't take me and Mike Easterly and Yvonne Brooks and Charlie Cohn, they made sure that I understood this. And that is that I can have my own personal opinions and my own direction, but we have to get things done. It's a commission. Mm-hmm. It's not an individual. And so I took that to heart early on. Now, when I got on the commission, I remember once remarking that, man, I love this so much, I could do this for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I really like it. Uh, and uh, But to answer your initial question, during the course of the years, there have been times that uh, I wasn't so sure that I wanted to continue. Yeah. And, it's uh, been more adversarial. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And is. even in my time, so I've been um, paying attention to the city commission, I would say, for about a decade now, and then in this job for seven years. But in that time, um, it's just a, it's a different tone some years than yes. others, depending yes. on who's on the commission, the personalities on the commission, um, the issues that yes. have come before you. Yes. Um, and, you know, just a personal observation in 2020 was an example where you guys were hit with a lot of issues you'd never been hit with before yes. in in never probably imagined in a million years you'd be hit with before there was <laughs> uh, masks and no closures way. and i mean you think of all of it and, and so much of it really not in your control there was only so much about what was happening in 2020 right. that was in your control but 
thank goodness we had the commission we did during that year because at the end of the day, I mean, I even got kind of defensive on it on social if I'd see someone making comments. And it's because I know and I've watched and I know what different commissions can be like. But we were so fortunate to have the commission that we did because at the end of the day, there was never a question that each of you were there trying to do the best thing for the the citizens of Winter Haven yes. and the citizens of Polk County. And so it really was, um, uh, I was very thankful as a, as a constituent that um, it, we had the people in the seats we had last year because yes. it was extremely important um, for those tough decisions that you guys were trying to make. Yes. So have there... Um, you know, my time knowing you, you've been very involved in a lot of countywide initiatives, a lot of uh, the, the Polk Transportation Planning Organization. I think you've become an expert on transportation planning over your years, um, as well as the impact on, that water has on the community and being involved in the, um, uh, the negotiations and the ongoing discussions with the Polk Water Cooperative. Um, why are those kind of countywide initiatives important? Um, you in particular have always volunteered to be involved in those discussions. Yes. Well, when I got on the commission, my there were two passions that I had. I mean, I learned, and in fact, Coca-Cola had something to do with this because Coca-Cola used a lot of water. <laughs> used a lot of water. And they used a lot of electricity as well. Mm -hmm. And so when I got on the commission, water and transportation were two of the, the key issues mm -hmm. with me, I mean, from day one. Mm -hmm. And um, so the more you, you get into water, the more I realized that water, even though we are surrounded by water, and, and that's what most people, well, y'all, Florida, is almost an island. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, the water that we're surrounded by is not the water that we drink. Right. And so I thought as we as 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 I got more involved and got more knowledgeable, it 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 basically is a foregone conclusion that what we're doing with water is not sustainable. Mm -hmm. It's just not sustainable. And uh, so I've, I've, I've worked towards that, and I've been very, very happy to, to serve mm -hmm. on the cooperative. And, and even in the city itself, uh, long before the cooperative, uh, uh, I've always been on the Lakes uh, Advisory Committee, mm -hmm. working with our lakes. I've always been concerned about our lakes and how clean they were and the fish, and, and I've just... I mean, yeah. I love to fish, even to this day. I still fish, and I love being out on the water, and it's such a great resource. And so that's that's the thing about water. <laughs> I love the story you told recently at a commission meeting um, where you rung in New Year's from 2020 to 2021 <laughs> yes. out on a lake because your boat broke down. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the battery went dead. And so and I was, and I'm telling you, I was too reluctant to call anybody at one o'clock in the morning. Right. I said, no, <laughs> we're out here, we're good. Yeah. We'll just wait un until like six o'clock, 6.15, and then I'll start calling. And the first call I, I called was 
you know, Chief Bird. Say, <laughs> like, can somebody tell us? <laughs> and then they tell me, say, you can always get help. Right, right. On our lakes. I said, okay, well. Well, you know what? You enjoyed a beautiful evening out under yes. the stars, didn't you? <laughs> yes. I, in fact, my my uh, youngest son and uh, George Tinsley uh, Jr. Mm-hmm. was also on the boat. Oh, were they? In, in fact, it was George Tinsley Jr.'s boat that we were on, and we were in Lake Fanny. And uh, so uh, my son remarked, you know, Dad, uh, we're seeing the last sunrise mm-hmm. of 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so we did. Oh, that's good. Well, that was a that was a very um, poignant way to put a period uh, on 2020, wasn't it? Yes, it was. <laughs> it sure was. Yes. So I have two closing questions for you. Uh, um, I'll start with uh, with one. Um, what keeps you up at night as a city commissioner? Well, you know, you, you sent me the questions, and so, mm-hmm. and, and you know, after being married for 50 years, 50, almost 51 years, you know, my wife, we, we talk a lot. Mm-hmm. She's my best friend. So uh, we were talking about that question, and she said, I don't know if there's anything to keep you up at night <laughs> the way you snore. I said so. She wishes there was something that gets you up at night. But on a serious note, uh, Really and truly, Katie, uh, what I what I try to do at, at this stage, um, there are issues and uh, problems that I know that need to be solved and addressed and worked on, and but I don't let them keep me up at night. Mm-hmm. And so, to be honest with you, uh, I think about a lot of things, but uh, there is not no one thing that just keeps me up. In fact, just to the contrary right now, in addition, what really bothers me more than anything is this pandemic. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's right now, I mean, that really uh, keeps me up. And in fact, I've, you know, there have been two events that I've actually helped worked Mm -hmm. with the the vaccines, Mm -hmm. helping people and directing traffic and signing them and mm-hmm. just, you know, that, that two events that have taken place in Florence Villa, one at uh, First Missionary Baptist and the other one at uh, Bethel Missionary mm-hmm. Baptist. And so that would be the one thing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just so worried. It's, it's just so, Katie, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just hard to phantom mm-hmm. the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, there is nothing that I can draw on that could help me, you know, really to to understand and deal with it more. And when I think about Winter Haven, you know, I love Winter Haven. And I want the best for Winter Haven. And with this pandemic, I mean, it's just running havoc on our our city. I mean, we've been, the, the city so far, we have been very, very fortunate that the from a government standpoint, the economic impact hasn't hit us mm-hmm. like it has a lot of other municipalities. But surely, if this pandemic uh, continues, then I mean it's 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 going to eventually it's going right. to get to us because a lot of our monies that help to fund government comes from things that the economy provides mm-hmm. for us. You know, and you. 
we, we talked about the water, but the transportation one is the other one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we've got to, we are growing. And without good transportation, that, mm-hmm. just, that just makes life not as livable as right. we want. Right. Well, and I'll tell you one thing, and it, it actually, it's funny, because although it's keeping you up at night, that or that's the thing you're worried about the most, that actually provides a lot of solace to me that I know that you are thinking about it that way. Um, because obviously, being in the Chamber of Commerce world, we've been therapists and counselors and everything for the entire year for businesses feeling the impact immediately. And I think where we have been blessed as that construction has continued, housing permits have continued, um, a lot of growth in that sector, um, which is good because that also helps add valorum taxes and and things of that nature. Um, But, um, you know, if if anyone ever questions um, whether our commission takes their duty of approving new housing developments and things of that nature seriously, just watch last, uh, 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 was, you say you watch the commission meeting, but the workshop even more so. Um, sitting through the workshop where you guys were discussing the um, uh, 653, there's a new development on 500 plus homes. Yep. Um, and certainly legally, there's only so much you could do as our city attorney, John Murphy, loves to remind you. Yes. <laughs> but listening to your thought process, on uh, dissecting that project and the impact that that project could have on the community um, was very comforting to me as a constituent in the community. And, 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 um, you know, my, you know, I'm big in the the education advocacy side of things. And um, it worries me tremendously about our school capacities and how, um, you know, it's not that that growth is has to be a bad thing, but you have to manage that growth. You have to figure out so that you're not eroding the quality of life for the other people in the area. So if anyone ever questions (laughs) whether our commission cares about looking at all those issues, um, your last agenda review meeting, I mean, just, it, you know, you you guys went deep, deep, deep into the questions surrounding that and how this particular, um, not just this development, but developments in general um, will impact that. So I'll end on a more positive note then. So what excites you most about Winter Haven's future? Well, the, the I'm telling you, the city of Winter Haven is poised for growth and development and the thing is, is that we we can grow and develop, but we are still in the rim of things. Mm-hmm. The rim, mm-hmm. we're a small town, mm-hmm. and uh, but we have the all of the amenities that a metropolitan city can offer, mm-hmm. and so that that really excites me. And we want smart growth, and I think that's what we're pursuing. And we need manufacturing and, you know, the, 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 the things that we need, we have positioned ourselves that that can take place. And, 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 and that CSX project, a lot of people don't know how tedious mm-hmm. that was to get them here mm-hmm. and to get that project through and all of the other things that were hinging on that project. Uh, you know, even the transportation in, in Orlando and D-Land, all of that's all tied together. And so back to your question about serving on the committees and, and, and working, you can't just live in Winter Haven. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you've, it, we are, whether we like it or not, we are not just Winter Haven. Mm-hmm. We are part of a much broader geographical location and metropolitan area. So we 
you know, we have to work. We have to we be do. involved. Well, and it's, it's, you know, a lot of people ask me why I get involved in things in Orlando and Tampa. And it's because if Winter Haven doesn't have a seat at the table, then everyone else is planning our future without us there. Exactly. And, you know, that's like even, you know, we, we joke, um, you know, both you and I served on the M cores, the multi-use corridors of regional economic significance. And that may never happen in our lifetime. Right. But what made me so proud about that is the East Polk representation on that committee between, you know, County Commissioner Rick Wilson or Chairman Rick Wilson and Dr. Falconetti, yourself, myself, to be able to have a seat and say, now, hold on a second. (laughs) If we're going to talk about this regional impact, we want to be part of that discussion. Um, And when it comes to water, because if if Polk County hadn't said, all right, we're going to start to formulate our own plan for water, Orlando's going to say, we want your water. Tampa's going to say, we want your water. And all of these other areas will come in. So you're 100% right. That is an important part. And the fact that, you know, we were able to get CSX made SunRail possible in Orlando. Yes. Um, and and the, the developments that have happened there. And, and um, although a lot of the stuff going on we can't talk about because of uh, confidentiality, we're at the precipice. Yes. The precipice of starting to reap the the reward of of a lot of that what was probably very long i had just started in this job so i'm like hey look csx is here yay (laughs) but a lot of work that had gone in to get that there (laughs) yes it one thing katie that 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 people wouldn't know and and i want to i want to say this that uh before the property that we owned where csx is and where our wastewater treatment plant is it was not even in the city limits hmm. of Winter Haven. Hmm. In order to have a development on that property, we had to get the permission of the county hmm. in order to do that. The way, in order to annex that property into the city, we had to get there with other annexations. And so those other annexations came about through development, mm-hmm. and there was a period that we were fighting a lot about mm-hmm. developments because people have an idea about development, even though it, it can be very luxurious homes and everything. Some people just, I mean, and so we, right. we felt that, but we were able to get there through annexations, mm-hmm. and then so then through developments and then the annexations, we were able to get to our own property, mm-hmm. the annex. Yeah, years and years and years, years and, and years. lots of contracts and lots of collaboration. And yes. like you said, with the county collaboration, yes. um, and that really, I think, uh, is one of the key um, elements that makes Winter Haven so successful is the collaboration between yes. the DOT and the county and the many numerous entities, the the private sector that I'm in, the many enter- entities that that come together to make Winter Haven what it is today. So, well, Mayor Pro Tem, Nathaniel Birdsong, thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast today. I learned so much about you today that I didn't know. This has been quite the pleasure to have this discussion today. Yes, it's been my pleasure to be on this podcast. And uh, one thing everybody needs to know, I love myself some Winter Haven. (laughs) We know that, we can feel it. So Nat, thank you so much for coming on today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Citizens Bank and Trust, we've been your hometown full-service financial institution right here in your backyard since 1920. 
Now in our third generation of family ownership, we've served the Polk County community for over 100 years. No matter your needs, we have the right financial solutions for you. At Citizens Bank & Trust, we've got you covered, from secure checking and personal savings plans to a wide range of personal, mortgage, and business loans. Additionally, we offer a highly experienced group of trust and private banking professionals located right here in Polk County. It takes just one visit to one of our 14 convenient locations to experience what makes our bank special and why we invite you to give us a try. At Citizens Bank & Trust, we're proud to be your bank. Citizens-Bank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Well, that's it for another episode of It's Happening in the Haven. We'd like to thank our guests for today's podcast, City of Winter Haven Mayor Pro Tem Nathaniel Birdsong. Be sure to tune in every week to It's Happening in the Haven, available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. To learn more about Winter Haven and the Chamber of Commerce, visit winterhavenchamber.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We hope you learned a little bit more about our community today and even more about the people who are shaping its future. After all, no true community exists without the people who form it. Winter Haven. Some call it a haven. We call it home.